Hey, good to see you again. If you snuck in during the last two songs, welcome to Cross Creek. My name's John. And if you're watching online, it is good to be seen by you. Thank you for watching. We are, um, we know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, we actually have people who are in our connect groups who I've never met because they're not able to come on Sundays, but they're in a connect group and they watch online. So, hey, good to be seen by you. Someday we'll meet maybe. That'd be great. Um, if you're if you're watching online and you're helping with the kids, or you're like, hey, I really wanted to watch the game, and no worries, it'll be online, we already made fun of you for that. So I hope you felt that, because you can record it. Anyway, hey, it is good to see you. Um, happy happy uh, near end of January, January 20th, and um, we're glad you're here. It's good to see you. Um, we are in a series called uh, Adulting. 101, being better at life. And the reason we're doing this series is because I'm learning this now that I'm almost 37, right, Liz? Thanks. Now that I'm almost 37, being an adult is hard. It's, you know, we, for some reason, growing up, we expect it to be easy, like, okay, we'll just figure it out. You know, everybody else seems to be figuring it out. But the secret is nobody knows what they're doing. Right? Even like your parents don't actually know what they're doing. Sorry if you're sitting here with your parents. Dad, I know you know what you're doing. But it's just this, being an adult is hard. And so that's why we're doing this series. Because we honestly believe to have a better life, we need to be better at life. It actually takes work to be good at being an adult. In fact, here's, you know, and here's probably another reason why not everybody's here tonight. One of the hardest things about being an adult, here's what we're going to talk about tonight. One of the hardest things about being an adult is money. Money. Half of you are just like, oh, crap. A pastor is talking about money. I mean, for many of us, just, just the idea of money, you're talking about money, stresses us out. Or, you know, brings the anxiety on. Or, eat especially, or makes us feel defensive. Right? Especially when a guy like me in a place like this with a microphone like that and you have to sit in a row like that starts talking about money, right? This is a church where we don't even collect an offering type thing, guys. So you're, you're going to be safe tonight, okay? But one of the hardest things about being an adult is money. In fact, um, three, two weeks, two weeks, was that only two weeks ago, our, our minivan got totaled. And so we've been looking for cars. Oh my gosh, it is stressful looking for cars. Because you're like, well, this has so many miles, but I can afford it. Well, this has less miles. It'll last longer, but can we really afford it? You know, it's, it is stressful trying to find cars. And I realized I have this problem. I mean, I was getting annoyed. I was getting frustrated. I realized I have a problem, and I'm willing to admit it to you. I don't have enough money. That's my problem. And I'm willing to bet you have the same problem. You don't have enough money. You know, we get so worked up about money and worried when somebody talks about it because we're like, well, are you going to make me give it? Because I already feel like I, I don't have enough. Where do you want, what do you want me to do? Would you want me to just like, you know, get another job so I can be, you know, so I can be generous or whatever? I mean, if we had a lot of money, if we had it, it'd be fun to talk about it, wouldn't it? I mean, you, I would probably brag about it, but you guys are talking about it, like, you know, hey, I, I just, do you, need, do you need a couple bucks? Can, do you, could I help you with that? You know, it's, it would be fun to talk about it. And so we ask, you know, how can I get more money? Or how much, think about it, how much would be enough money to be like, okay, I have enough, stop paying me, I'm good. How much would be enough? 
well, more than we have right now, right? And if you look around, you know who has enough money? Everyone else. Everyone else seems to have enough money, right? It's just us. We don't have enough. And so we, we, we get stressed about it. And we, we think having more money will actually make our life better, right? It'll, it'll make us happier. But like I said, we're never satisfied with what we have. Once we get that raise, like, this is great. Now I can buy that car. No, I can't. I still have this debt. I still have that debt. No, there's never, never enough. We always think we need more. And when we get it, we think life will be better. But it doesn't happen. And maybe, maybe we feel like we don't have enough money because we don't know the real purpose of money. And you're like, oh, John, come on. I get to buy stuff. That's what money is for. But think about it. Money is a powerful tool. If you, if you don't know what it's for and how to use it, it really can ruin your life. We all know those stories, and some of us like to watch them, those stories of like people who win the lottery, right? They win the lottery, more money they could ever dream of, and it ruins their life. Their marriages fall apart. Their kids hate them. They end up uh, in debt, even though they won $100 million. Or famous professional athletes or actors who now are bankrupt, even though they made millions and millions and millions of dollars. Money is a powerful tool. You can, do, you can do great things with it. You can build hospitals. You can build schools. You can put your kids through school. But if you don't know how to use it, it can ruin your life. In fact, if you know how to use it, it actually can make your life better. And if you really know how to use it, you can use it to make other people's lives better. And I think that's why Jesus talked about money so much. He actually talked about money quite a bit. And when we look at his teachings on money, one thing really stands out about how he felt about money and wealth and possessions and that type of stuff. Here's the thing. The purpose of money is to use it for a purpose. The purpose of money is to use it for a purpose. And Jesus actually talks about this idea. We have it recorded for us in an account of Jesus's life that we call the book of Luke. Luke was an his, ancient historian. Um, he's been, the, the people who actually study historians, that type of stuff, actually put him near the, near the top of ancient historians just because he was so accurate. And he, he um, went back and interviewed people who knew Jesus, uh, who had lived with Jesus, got all the facts, put them in order, and wrote an account called, that we call, the book of Luke. And in that account, we actually, Jesus talks about money quite a bit. And we're going to talk about one of his, one of his teachings on money. Now, if you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, you're like, you know what, I'm just checking out this Christianity thing. Of course, where they're talking about money at church. Why wouldn't they? That's what they always, that's what they talked about 10 years ago, last time I went. That's why I don't go anymore. Here's the thing. Everything I say tonight, you don't have to do. You don't have to do any of it. Jesus is actually, in this account, he's talking to his followers. You are completely off the hook. You get to sit back and be like, <laughs> that's great for you guys. Right? You're free. Now, here's the thing. We, firm, we truly believe that following Jesus can make your life better and make you better at life. So maybe you don't believe Jesus is God. I do. I have reasons. I can talk to you about that. But even if you don't believe he's God or anything like that, I think following his principles will actually give you a better life, especially when it comes to money. There's just wisdom principles here. So you're off the hook. You're safe. Nobody's going to pass a bucket and shake it under your nose until you, you know, take your watch off and put it in there. 
Now, here's another thing I kind of need to warn you because we're talking about money and, you know, I like to give examples and I might talk about our family and what we do with money. I am not bragging. I told my wife yesterday, if it weren't for her, I would be broke. Okay, so all this stuff I say about money that we're doing, it's not me. My wife makes me do it and I'm very thankful for it, but not at the time. Okay, so, but I think examples are helpful. So, anyway, um, like I said, we're going to be in the book of Luke. We'll actually be in Luke uh, chapter 12. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, don't worry. Everything will be on the screen, uh, so you know I'm not making stuff up, and we'll be, we'll be safe. So Jesus talking about money. Uh, Luke chapter 12. Here we go. So Jesus is walking around. He's teaching. All these crowds are following him. There's no TV, no football, so people actually listened to Jesus back then. So as we start, someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man or dude, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? I mean, think about it. When there's a big inheritance, a lot of money at stake, family members tend to turn on each other, don't they? Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe that's why you don't talk to them anymore. Maybe that's why Thanksgiving's a little weird because, you know, they got a little bit more than you or you got a little bit or whatever, right? They feel like you got more than you were... Anyway, Jesus is like, dude, why, why are you bringing this to me? Chill out. Relax. I mean, seriously, what's your deal? I'm talking about the love of God, and you're like, Jesus, tell him to give me more money. And so he continues. Then he said to them, the whole crowd, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in, a, in an abundance of possessions. Life does not exist. In an, I'm not going to repeat it. It's hard to say. But basically, here's what Jesus is saying. The selfish pursuit of possessions is pointless. That's easier to say. The selfish pursuit of possessions, no, it's not. The selfish pursuit of possessions is pointless. Man, whoever wrote this needs to change it. It was me. I, I write my own stuff. Anyway. And so we, we hear Jesus say, you know, life is not about stuff, and just pursuing stuff for yourself is pointless. And we nod and we agree and we're like, oh, yes, Jesus is right. Life is not about stuff. Life's not about greed. You know, that's, we all agree. But that's not how we actually feel deep down. That's not how we actually live. See, remember that one time you went shopping? Maybe it was Best Buy. Maybe it was the church of Target. And you go and you're like, I just need toothpaste. Yet you're walking the aisles, and you see this thing. You didn't know it existed 10 minutes ago, but now you have to have it. Right? You can't, you can't live without it. You, this is a need now. It's not a want. I mean, this is going to make your life so much better. You have to have this. You need this possession for yourself. Right? When we were, we, yesterday, my parents watched our kids for us, and we got to go look at cars. And so... We were looking at cars, you know, like, we had a minivan, that's cool, but I mean, look at me, I'm not a minivan guy, we need an SUV. So we're looking. There's a thing called the GMC Acadia. I didn't know it existed. I need a GMC Acadia. It needs to happen. Like, my life will not be complete without this car. Now, Friday, I didn't even know that was a thing. And now it's like, all I want. Isn't that weird? Or like my kids with Legos, right? My, my son's about to have a birthday. They just came out with the, the 2019 Lego sets. We have to have them. We've already bought two of them. 
Oh, I did. Liz looked at me. <laughs> but when we want stuff, especially like cars, there's this, anno- this annoying problem keeps coming up, right? We talked about it. We don't have enough money for it, but I have to have it. But I don't have the money. Oh, it's 2019 in America. I can get it on credit. That is awesome. So now I can have what I want, even though I can't afford it. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? We can have whatever we want. I was doing some research. I am not picking on anybody. I'm just kind of I'm saying this so I remember when, it's, when I'm at the car lot. But the average auto loan debt in the U.S. for like the average family, their auto loan debt is $28,000. You're like, yeah, I know. That's, that's what I got. That's a lot of money. You think about it. I mean, depending on who you are, that's a lot of money. That actually adds up to one point. trillion just in auto debt in the U.S. Think of what Americans, generous Americans could do with $1.27 trillion, right? I'm not going to get into all the politics of what we could do with all that money, but we could do a lot. In fact, it's it's funny. Uh, A guy named Dave Ramsey, he's this this, uh, finance guy. He has a saying that I like. He says, you know, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Why do we do that? I mean, when we finally get that thing, right, that, and we get the loan for it, and then life is better, right? It just makes our life better to have this stuff. No, it doesn't, because now we have this debt. We have it hanging over us every month. You got to pay that bill. You, it, you know, you're stressed out. You're like, okay, well, I could have done this, but now I have to pay. I'm not, I'm not just, you know, paying back my loan. I'm paying the interest. Right? I'm paying even more than they asked for. In fact, what we've done, we've traded our peace for a purchase. We, uh, we, we could have been peaceful. And be like, I have no debt. And what we bought that is we traded our peace for a purchase. We say life based on possessions is pointless. We say that. Right? We all nod and agree. Yeah, Jesus was so smart. But our credit and our bank statements say otherwise. That's why this room is half empty right now because you knew I was going to say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not me, it's Jesus. See, having, here's the thing though. Having money, having things is not bad. It's not. It's not bad. Um, you know, we wouldn't, Luke, the guy who wrote this account, was a physician. He was probably well off. Probably had money. We hear about um, a guy named Joseph of Arimathea who gave Jesus his tomb. He was a rich dude. He wasn't a bad dude. Having money, having stuff is not bad. But when those things become your purpose, instead of using them for their purpose, your life will be pointless and empty. And that's what Jesus is getting at. And so Jesus understands this pull on us. He understands that you know, we, we want life to be better and we think buying stuff, the stuff we want that will make our life easier or whatever, will make our life better. He understands that pull. He understands that it's actually not true. And so he tells us a story to put it in perspective. And so we can read that story right now. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Rich people problems. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat. Drink and be merry. 
But God said to him, you fool. It's not good when God calls you a fool. Just things aren't going to work out well. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. Just raise the little hand in, inside your head. But how many of us read that, that, that parable and said, what's wrong with that? Like, seriously, what? Okay, so the guy had a great crop, and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save it. Now I can retire and just live off of it. Doesn't that sound awesome? That's, that's what I want to do. I mean, isn't that what we're all trying to do with our 401ks and our retirement funds and our Roth IRAs and whatever the heck you have, right, or the money under your mattress? Like, isn't that what we're trying to do? Isn't that why I'm working my butt off so I can have, like, to make the money now so I can sit back and relax later? Isn't that kind of the whole point of all of this? Well, here's, here's what's wrong with the man in this story. Let's go back and look. Here's what he says. He told them this parable of the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I will tear down my barns, store my surplus, and I'll say to myself, eat, drink, and be merry. And that's it for that one. Go back. <laughs> See, here's the problem. He thinks that all he has is his, is his to spend on himself for what he wants for what he wants to do and take easy and all of that he thinks it's all his and you're saying yeah it is he's a farmer didn't he work hard didn't he work that ground didn't he plant those crops and harvest them and have like good business sense and he used the water wisely and all that didn't he fertilize at the right time didn't he, isn't this just all a result of his hard work and great farming skills Shouldn't he get to say how that money is used, how that surplus is used? Well, let's go to that slide you just saw. He told them, this, we're going back to the beginning. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Sure, the man worked. Of course he worked. But he didn't make it rain. If there was no rain for that season, there'd be no crops. There'd be no surplus. He didn't make the sun shine. He didn't invent photosynthesis. He got lucky. See, God made all of that. God made it a great growing season. God made it so he could have ground to plant crops. God made it so he would have seeds that would grow and that it would be a good crop. Everything the man had was actually a gift from God. And see, we think we own what we earn, but in reality, we're simply borrowing it. See, the, the money we have right now, it was here before us. Somebody was using it before we got it. And somebody will be using it after we don't got it. Whether, you know, we're here on earth or not. We're, we're borrowing it. We don't own it. See, God had invested in that man. He had invested the land, gave him the land, gave him the rain, gave him the sun that he had created. He had given this man life. He had given this man 
parents that kept him alive and taught him how to farm and maybe an inheritance that he got this land from. He'd given him shelter. And how does this man return God's investment? I mean, he could have used this surplus. I mean, we're thinking about ancient Middle East. There's, there's no welfare. There's no, um, you know, charity funds. There's, there's none of, there's no um, hospices. There's, there, there's nothing, right? If you're destitute, if something happens to you, you're, you're, maybe you're um, a 50-year-old woman, your husband dies and your kids are gone, you're, you're on your own, you can't make a living. This is what we're talking about. And this man has this surplus of food and these people are thinking, there are people around this man's land who are starving to death. He could have used that to feed people, but instead, he keeps it for himself. See, God had invested in this man, and the man just blew it on himself, right? Instead, his big plan is to just sit on his butt and squander it on himself. You might be thinking, you know, that's cool. I'm not a farmer. You know, I don't have to worry about the rain. I definitely don't have to worry about it raining enough. You know, I don't... My, my crops are coming. I mean, I, I worked hard. I went to school. You know, I, I graduated at least once. I, uh, you know, I, I worked hard. I work hard for my money. Who gave you the ability to go to school, to get through school? Who gave you the mind that you use to teach or to create or to treat patients or to, you know, work those funds who gave you the body to do the labor? Who makes sure that you're still healthy enough to actually earn that income? God. All of it is a gift from him. All of it is a gift that he's invested in you. See, your life and wealth are God's investment. Your life and your wealth are God's investment. Not just so you can throw it away. Right? He's invested all of this in your life so that you can use it for his purposes. So that you can use it to be rich toward him. How are you rich toward God? Using your money to love others. When you have money, you say, what does love look like with this money? You use it to love others, to love the people he loves. See, here's the thing. If I gave my oldest son, Danny... I gave him $15. I gave him three $5 bills. I said, here's $15. Take your this is when they're older because he's six. But take your brother and sister to the store and you each buy something. Here's, here's $15. And Danny says, you know, that's, that's awesome. Sweet. I got $15. Thanks, Dad. And he completely forgets about his brother and sister. And he goes and buys a toy for 20 bucks and borrow, borrowing the other five bucks from Grandma. Because she'd probably say yes. <laughs> How would I respond? Is that why I gave him $15? Is that why I invested $15 in him? That wasn't why I gave it to him. And will I give him more next time he asks? No, because I know how he handles money. I know what he does with it. But that's how we view our life. That's how we view our wealth that God has given us. We think it's ours and that we deserve even more. See, we're just like the rich man. We think the purpose of God's investment in us is our own comfort and our own safety. We begin, and we begin trusting the gift 
and not the giver. Which is why talking about, even thinking about money, brings such worry and fear. Because we're, we're trusting in our, in our wealth. We're not trusting the person who, they're the one who gave us the wealth, gave us the ability to make the wealth. We say, okay, well, how much do I have in the bank account? Okay, we're, we're good for this month. Oh, it's the end of the month. Okay, hold back, you know, relax. Um, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. But you're not buying that. See, when you, when you trust in something as temporary as wealth, you never have a solid foundation to live on. It's just going back and forth. So Jesus shows us why we don't need to trust our stuff. We can actually trust God and not just our stuff. Bear with me on this. I wanted to read all of it because it's just, it's just so good. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? In fact, you know, studies show that worrying actually takes hours from your life. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. Your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. See, God is the source of everything we have. He's the real source. And he knows what you need. He loves you more than anything else in the universe. And he is for you. He's not against you. So what's there to worry about? What is there to stress about? What is there to argue with each other about? Why try, why try to grab as much as you can and hoard it for fear of the unknown? Well, you know, I, 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 I could give that, but what if, what if this? What if, what a way to live. What if, what if, what if? See, if you truly trust God, Fear and worry don't need to be a part of your financial life. In fact, if you truly trust God, fear and worry don't need to be a part of your life at all. Because he has it all. He takes care of you. He knows you. And then Jesus kind of brings it all together in verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. And here's kind of what he's saying. The purpose of money is to invest it in others. The reason he gives us these things is so that we can use it to show his love to others. He invests in us so that we can invest in others. We call this being generous. See, our money is not, is not meant to simply be spent on our wants. Yes, you have needs that you need to be taken care of. That's why he gives you the money to take care of your needs. but it's also meant to be used to invest in the lives of those around us. 
And each act of generosity, each time we say, you know what, I could have, I could have bought that, you know, I could have gone out to lunch instead of bringing my own sack, boring lunch, but instead I'm going to give this money to, you know, to, to my friend who I know needs it, to um, that kid who's, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the school and pay off some lunch debts, right? Each act of generosity is another investment in the kingdom of God. Each time you use your money to love others, you are investing in God's kingdom. It's a purpose beyond our own selfish existence. See, and here's, here's, here's why being generous makes your life better. Like, well, if I give it away, I won't have what I want, and my life won't be better. I'll be broke. See, it makes your life better because money can bring happiness. You're like, no, it, yes, it, money can bring happiness when you are generous. It's a law of the universe. Generous people are happy people. Generous people are happy people. Have you ever met somebody who's very generous? And like, oh my gosh, my life sucks. Yeah, here you go, here's more. Oh, I wish I didn't have to. No, when people are generous, like the most generous person you know is a happy person. Because when you give, it feels good. And the more you give the better you feel. And when you see money as a tool to help people, you see your money, quote unquote your money, as a tool to help people, you tend to be better with it, wiser with it. Because you say, you know what, if I squander this, then I won't be able to do as much good. And I want to do good because that feels good. And so you take care of your money, you watch it, you say, okay, if I, if I use it wisely, then I'll have even more to help people with. See, trusting God frees us to be generous. When we trust God with, with our life, with our finances, we are actually now free to be generous because we know he loves us. We know he's for us. We know he's going to take care of our needs. And being generous actually makes us more loving. Verse 34, he finishes it off. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, he doesn't say, put your money where your heart is, right? You know, if, if you really love this thing, then put your money there. No, he says, your heart follows your money. What you invest in, that's what you care about. Do you want to be loving? Then be generous. Prepare yourself for this one. So let me ask you a question. What do your receipts Say about who or what you are choosing to love. Ouch. And I didn't have the guts to go look at my bank statement either. But I know what it is. I love food. <laughs> so my receipts say a lunch here, a dinner there, a snack there, a drink there, a breakfast there. I like to eat. Yes, but God gave you taste, but not that much. <laughs> But what do your receipts say about who or what you are choosing to love? You know what it really is? It's not just food. I just, I, I love, and we're going to talk about this next week. I love just not having to work. So then somebody else can make the food and somebody else can do the dishes. That's what it is, right? Yes. And that was free counseling for myself. Thanks. But what do your receipts say? What, who are you choosing to love? So what can we do? You know, hey, good, thanks for the guilt. See you next week. 
No, how can we use our money for its true purpose? How can we actually be better at life? And I think this is super practical because you can actually, you can like literally do the math to see how you're doing on this. And so I, I have two, two things with sub points because I'm a pastor and I want to talk more. But I have two ways we can be to be better at money. First of all, to be better at money, practice gratitude. Practice being grateful. Like, make a habit of thanking God for what he's given you. Oh, man, putting on the shirt. Hey, thanks for the money to buy this shirt. Hey, thanks for a closet to put this. Thanks for a roof to have a closet. Thank, thank you. Thank you that I have more than one shirt. There's some people who don't. Oh, gosh, i got to put gas. Thank you for a car. It's annoying when you don't have a car, trust me. We're getting to that point. But thank you. Thank you that you know, we're in this country where like poor is not even poor. See, it'll show you that you can trust him. You can look back and be like, wow, you've, you've really provided for me. Thank you. And it's, you're not trusting your fluctuating bank account. You're, you're trusting the one who has given you the ability to have those things. And it'll remind you that he actually is the source of everything. So to be better at money, first, practice gratitude. And then second, give your money purpose by doing four things. But actually, give your money purpose. Tell your money who the boss is. You're in charge. It's, it's your tool. The tool doesn't tell the worker what to do. The worker uses the tool to do things. So I think this is the easiest because it's, it's just practical. So I have a, a four-step plan to give your money purpose. Are you ready? <laughs> you might not like it. First, give your money purpose by giving. By giving. Decide now. Decide before your next paycheck. It's the end of the month, however you get paid. But decide before your next paycheck what percentage of every dollar you're going to give away to God's purpose. You're going to give away to loving others. Decide now. Why? Why do I say do it first? Be the very first thing you do, the first percentage? Because if you, do, if you say, you know what, I'll give on what's left over, at the end of the month, there's nothing left over. Right? You're really good at spending all of it. It's, it's what we think we, we need it for. So choose it first. Now, for, for us, we choose to give to our local church, this church, because we really believe in what it's doing. We believe that this is fulfilling God's mission, God's purpose in loving others and showing Salem that God is for them. And so we, cho- we chose a percentage, and that's our way of giving. So I say, you don't have to give here. We're not going to you know, complain if you do. But wherever you give to further God's love for others, pick a percentage, then go with it. In fact, write it down. Put it on your fridge. Say, oh yeah, that's what I want to do. So, give your money purpose by giving. Then give your money purpose by saving. Wait, John, didn't that guy save and that was wrong? That's not what I'm saying. It's not to hoard it so it's all yours. No, you save so you are free to be generous. You don't just, you're like, wow, I wish I, wish I could help you out, but we spent everything. I don't, have, I don't have enough to feed my kids. How can I help you feed yours? All right, see, 
you're free to be generous. You don't have to fear the unknown expenses. Well, you know, I could be generous, but, you know, that, there's that funny noise in the car that might cost a lot. I don't know if we have enough, so I'm sorry, I, I can't give this month. So you never have to say that. So decide, after you decide how much you're going to give, decide what percentage you're going to save. Pick a percentage and do that. Do it next. Write it down. So give your money purpose by giving. Give your money purpose by saving. And then give your money purpose by living. Like, oh yeah, this is the fun part. This is what I like to do with my money. No, you don't. Here's the why. I'm saying live on the percentage you have left. You picked a percentage to give. You picked a percentage to save. Now choose to actually live on the percentage you have left, not the percentage you wish you had left. Right? There's a saying called act your wage. Some of us think we make more money than we actually do, and so we get in that debt that we can never pay off. So act your wage. Actually live on what you have left. In fact, uh, there's, there's a church that has this saying. I'm not going to tell you what church because you can find it out on your, by yourself. And Anyway. But I want is better than I owe. Right? And I did not want to say that because there's a car I want. <laughs> and I'm very close to being willing to owe on it. But the reality is I want, me wanting it is a lot better than me owing on it and paying interest on it and regretting it later and be like, oh, we could have done this, we could have done that, we could have helped them, we could have bought that. I want is better than I owe. So actually live on the percentage you have left. And it's a four-step plan. So give your money purpose by giving, by saving, by living, and then by giving some more. See, you'll find that if you actually live like this, if you actually choose to give your money purpose like this, you'll be able to be more generous than you thought you could with that first percentage. Say, so, you know what? We've saved, we're good. You know, we, we have a little, a little bit. If something happens, you know, we know God's gonna take care of us. And this person, you know, well, I, gave, I picked my percentage and I already gave it this month, but there's this need. Well, how are we doing? Well, yeah, we can give. In fact, and this is, I'm not, I'm not bragging, but it was, it's just, it happened this week. There, you know, we, we, gave, we picked our percentage, we gave, and then this, this need came up, this, you know, this family that had needs. And I turned to Liz and I said, can we help them? She, I, I shouldn't admit this, but she takes care of the money for us. <laughs> it wouldn't be good if I did it. I would say we have enough whenever the question came up. So I said, do we, how, much, how much do we have? And this was her hand. I said, how much do we have to give? She said, enough. I said, yes. Thank you for being good with money so that we have enough. To, and we were able to give above what we give each month. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying, I want you to have this feeling. Right? I want you to be able to be generous. Be like, wow, I got to help somebody. I, I didn't think I'd be able to. And now my money was used to make a difference in their life. So give your money purpose by giving, saving, living, and then being able to actually give some more. And like I said, generous people are happy people. But you aren't free to be generous if you don't manage your money. So give your money purpose. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have peace about money? To be like, you know what? I don't make as much as I probably could. I don't make as much as them. But I have enough. 
I'm good. I can save. I can give. I can give more. I mean, wouldn't it be great to, to not be controlled by our money, but actually use it on purpose, for a purpose? To not ever be a burden to someone, but to actually be able to relieve other people's burdens? Like, wow, you have that. I'm sorry that you're, you, know, you made that choice, and now you're wishing you could you make different choices, or you, know, you had that kid that you didn't know was coming, and now you have these... Exp- Here, would, would this amount help? Right? Would, would, this, would this help you guys get through the next month? Wouldn't that be a great feeling? Wouldn't it be great to be free, to be as generous as you wish you could be? Instead of having to always say no. Oh, sorry, I can't. I can't help. So trust God. Manage your money well. And then invest your money in a better life. Actually, use your money on purpose, for a purpose, and it'll make your life better better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything you've given us. Thank you for the clothes on our back. Thank you for the food we ate today. Thank you for the uh, ability to have electricity right now. Thank you for everything that we have because of you. I pray that you help us remember that it's from you, that you... um, You just remind us that you care for us, that you love us, that you're for us. Help us practice gratitude. And then give us the courage and the patience to actually look at our finances and how we're using them, to give our money purpose. I pray that if if spouses actually talk to each other about money, that they can be on the same page, that there won't be those, uh, those arguments, that you will give them each your heart for how to use their money for your purposes. Thank you again for everything you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. So next week, we're going to get off of money, and we're going to talk about work. You're like, well, that's about money. No, it's not. Trust me. Okay. We're going to talk about how we can be better at work. And you say, well, I don't have a job. You know, I, I choose to stay home. You have work. We're going we're to talk about it, all right? And then the next week is the Super Bowl, and we will not be here. And then the next week, we'll start a new series that I'm really excited about. So, thanks for being here. Hope to see you next week. If you see somebody on the street who wasn't here, you can mock them, and that's okay. Just kidding. Don't do that. We love you guys who are watching online. But anyway, have a great week. We'll see you next week.